Hello and welcome back to Nomads You and I. Today we are looking over the Columbia River and we have a little boy who's covering his mouth who owns the bunny and he can't even believe that I'm talking about the bunny. Is it okay with your mom and dad if I ask you a question? He's gonna go find out if it's okay. Okay. So what are your names? John. So are you guys out fishing today or what are you what are you doing for fun on this beautiful Saturday afternoon? Talking to all my friends. Oh good. Talking to your friends? You know, we are kind of new to the area. We travel all over the country. We've been to just about every state except Alaska. We have no idea what the fishermen are fishing for today. Do you guys have any idea what kind of fish they're fishing for? Salmon. A lot of salmon. These guys are in the know. All right, is there anything else you want to tell the world? I'm going to be a police officer when I grow up. Good for you. We need Three more, cheers we need more for that. Yes. yes. We need more guys riding the white horse than the dark horse <laughs> in this world. Well, Marky Marks, that was our first guest appearance on yes. the intro, and that was spontaneous. You got just got to be able to roll with it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so special guest appearances today. This is probably going to be the award for the most beautiful view that we are looking at during a podcast, maybe. Yeah, this is very hard to beat. So we woke up this morning north of Long Beach, Washington in a campground called Lamp Camp, which had beach access. Really cool. You walked out through the tall beach grass and pine trees into Long Beach, Washington, which I think has a reputation for the longest beach that you could actually drive on across America. And then we went down to the Cranberry Museum. They actually grow a lot of cranberries out here in coastal Washington. And we went out through a cranberry bog and also found the cheese that Washington State makes, Cougar Gold. Not the cheapest cheese that you will ever purchase, but no, maybe some of the No, it comes in a can. It comes in a tin. Yes. And then from there, we came down to Fort Columbia, which was one of the coastal batteries on the, to guard the Columbia during the Second World War, across from Fort Stevens. And I had the idea, let's go find some pirate booty because it is the most crashed into intersection. Well, it's in kind of what they called the Graveyard of the Pacific, which I think runs from Tillamook Head south okay. Okay. all the way up into the Strait of Juan de Fuca up yes. towards Canada. And I don't know how many shipwrecks there are off of it, but it's hundreds or thousands. Mm -hmm. So I thought we might find something interesting that has washed up on shore. Um, I did get a whole uh, little quart-sized zippy full of interesting things, but no gold coins or anything like that. But some real cool little secluded beaches by Fort Columbia, not very big, but if you're looking for driftwood and kind of be down there with some big logs and a gorgeous view, uh, looking across to Astoria and the column, and right now I see Saddle Mountain above the column. Mm-hmm. The Astoria column. Climbed that yesterday. So a beautiful view all the way around. All the fishermen today, hundreds of them, are out. I'm going to guess that they are after the Chinook salmon. We'll see. I know there's lots of different varieties. All right. Well, let's dig in, Mark, to 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. There it says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. 
For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure that no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. What are your thoughts about verse 1? I like how it starts with, see how. I mean, just be aware of this. Look at the amazing love that God has bestowed upon us. Mm-hmm. That we should actually be called the children of God. That is, even to have that opportunity or that privilege. I think it's easy to take that for granted as far as kind of, well, that was just God's job to do that. And rather, it was God's loving choice to do that and then I love and such we are that is it's not that we're pretending Mm -hmm. so I love that God describes himself as our heavenly father because our relationships in this life very much help us to know how God feels towards us and anyone who's been a father or a mother once you have that first child you realize oh God loves me in this way so it's one of the most strongest attachments that we can experience in this life is the attachment that God has for us so no wonder how great a love the father has bestowed upon us yeah and I I just like how he's saying like don't take this for granted pause for a moment so easy to get mixed up in life and busy and etc without thinking like wait a minute I'm a child of God that's amazing that is that god actually after all my sins and messing up god actually really wants me in his family Mm -hmm. i don't know if i even want me in my (laughs) own family yes and i love how this apostle john in another place he says god is love i think c.s lewis maybe made the observation he could have very easily said god has love But it's more than God having love. God so has love that God is love. And so this verse builds on that. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we would be called children of God. So Mark, what other verses in the Bible talk about this spiritual adoption that we have in Christ? Well, among them, I would think of Galatians 3, 26 and 27, that we're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of us have been baptized in the Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. It is an adoption, Mark, that is so life-changing. It's almost beyond comprehension, you know. See how great. 
if we're living right, if we've been baptized in the Christ and we've been faithful and obedient, as John has talked about, for walking in the light, we actually are children of God. All right. So the next thought goes on to say, for this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Yeah. Well, it, certainly it knows who we are. It yes. might know our name, but it doesn't really appreciate the relationship that we have with God. It doesn't really understand or comprehend Christianity or the truth. Well, it doesn't get us because it doesn't get him. Mm-hmm. There are many places where Jesus says, if they hated me, they're, gonna, they're not going to like you. And this is a parallel passage. Well, if they don't want to take the time to figure out who God is, mm-hmm. they're not going to take the time to figure out and appreciate who you are. They're not going to get you. And that's okay. And really, the truth is that you can't have it both ways. So we are at peace with the world's cold shoulder, so to speak, Mm -hmm. because we can't have it both ways. You know, to be a child of God is to receive the cold shoulder from the world from Mm -hmm. time to time. So, yes, absolutely. It's best to make peace with that. So it goes on to say, beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. It looks like he's he transitions and says, now, as far as our future glory, as far as... Exa- in the next life. In the next life, as far as exactly what that's all going to entail, there's some written on that, but there's also not a whole lot written on that. We know we'll have a new body, but we don't know exactly everything that that will be like. <laughs> exactly. Yes, eternity is a gift that we have not yet opened uh, to see all the wonders that await us, including what our spiritual body will be like, that our souls will inhabit. That remains somewhat of a mystery. Yes. Given some information on that in First Corinthians chapter 15, mm-hmm. and also at the end of Philippians, I believe Philippians chapter 3 talks about that the body that we're going to have is going to be in conformity with the type of resurrected body that Jesus presently has. Mm-hmm. Yes, in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty three through 54, we do know that we will be clothed in immortality, right? So mm-hmm. these bodies age and die, but the one that we'll receive in the next life will neither age nor die? That is correct, yeah. So we will be like him. And that's interesting. We know that when he appears, that would be at the second coming. Yes. We shall be like him. And Uh, the reason is given because we will see him just as he is. There's something about seeing him just as he is that results in becoming like him. Yeah, there's going to be an affinity there. It's not that he's going to be this stranger to us. That is, to someone who's been walking in the light and seeking to live the Christian life, when you finally see Jesus, it's not going to be like a stranger. I like what someone said. When you get to heaven, you're going to say, this is home. Mm-hmm. It feels like home. Mm-hmm. This is where I came from. When it says we will see him just like he is, that's probably going to be the first time that anyone has ever seen God in his unveiled glory. Mm-hmm. In the Bible, you find God appears, but God kind of has to cloak his appearance because his natural appearance just would disintegrate everything and it's it's so glorious in its path and so he's in a pillar of fire he's in a pillar of cloud even when jesus was here on the earth he was in a physical body but here we're going to actually see him as he is in his what we might say his natural 
state. Mm-hmm. Is it Exodus thirty-three twenty that talks about no man can see God and live? That sounds very familiar. Yeah, yes. it is. That's and in that section of scripture where Moses wanted to see God, get the most intimate view possible, and yet God says, uh, "You get my back right now." Yes. All right. So then it goes on to say, and everyone who has his hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So there's something very important about having your mind set on seeing Jesus, that that's your goal. Hope fixed. Colossians 3, we'll talk about set your mind on things above. Mm -hmm. And so there's something about setting your mind on that future event, that that's really what you long for, Mm -hmm. that really helps you overcome the sin in your life. That that's almost like a natural purification process. Yes, but if your eyes are are fixed on him, are fixed on Jesus Christ, that's going to be to the exclusion of all other fixations, Mark. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit like no man can serve two masters. He either he will love the one and hate the other. And so this is like that. If your hope is fixed on him, that's going to necessitate letting go of all the other distractions of life that we look to for security in place of him. Yeah, I was looking at that, and I think the thought is that if you're finding that you're failing in that area, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it means it really says something. It says you've got your focus on something else. Because this verse says the person that really has their focus on the future and seeing Jesus, it's like someone said, I don't want anything to ruin that. I don't mm-hmm. want anything to get in the way of that. Right. It's amazing if you really prize and cherish something, something that you don't want to lose at all. Yeah. It's amazing what you can get rid of. When you're motivated like that, for sure. So notice, though, that the it's an ongoing verb tense, purifies himself, right? And it seems to me that's indicating the lifelong process of purification. So I'm not talking about that we can hang on to our addictions and all of the self-destructive behaviors that were once ours before becoming a part of the body of Christ. But in some way, Mark, we are continuing to purify ourselves just as he is pure, it says. Great observation. Second Corinthians 7 talks about that, verse 1. Uh, let us lay aside all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting mm-hmm. holiness in the fear of God. Yes. So you have a good observation there. There is not some magical point that suddenly you're pure. As far as like people kind of view like, okay, I became a Christian, and all of a sudden I don't sin anymore. And you're right. It's an ongoing process of getting rid of the old man. The enemy of our soul will continue to challenge us on remaining pure. Because one thing's for sure, Mark, he customizes what he's going to try to lure you with throughout your He will adjust the attack. Yes. And so since the attack is continual, each attack, though, Mark, could be looked at as an opportunity to purify yourself, you know, against this next level of whatever it is this time that's so custom made. Let you even resist to a greater degree and a greater degree. Each temptation, one writer has said, can be a stepping stone toward becoming who we can be stronger and stronger in Christ. Yeah, you need to win this battle because there's going to be a big, bigger battle coming up. I like the idea of he purifies himself. Why? Just as he is pure. Because mm. the last thing I want to do is to show up in the presence of Jesus impure. 
All right, so the next verse says, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. I like that because it, you know, the word sin means to miss the mark, like an archery, like you would miss the bullseye. Yes. And here it says, sin is at its very foundational level, its root is rebellion. Mm. It is mm-hmm. a disregard for God's law. That's really what it is at the end of the day. It's not really a mistake. It's not really an oops or whatever. It's, I don't want to do what God says. And that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it's like black is black. Sin mm-hmm. is lawlessness. Darkness is darkness. Any way you slice it. Mm-hmm. It says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So that's his first appearing when he came to this earth, and he died for sins. So the overarching purpose why Jesus showed up was to die for our sins. Mm -hmm. And so none of that was like an accident or a last-minute idea. And in him there is no sin. And so that's why he could do that. Right, that qualified him. The Lamb of God must be be spotless right yeah because if he's not spotless then he can't atone for our sins because he's got his own so what does this mean no one who abides in him sins that's the idea of that you do not continue to live in sin like habitual sin ongoing sin we would say also that no one who has a relationship with jesus continues in lawlessness Mm-hmm. Because to sin is to not stay with him. And just keep in mind that John is writing against the background of there were people that were trying to teach that you could be a faithful Christian and still be doing sinful mm, things. Right. Because it doesn't really matter what you do with your body. Ah, right. And, and John hammers against that and said, no, that's not right. In fact, the person who keeps on sinning doesn't even know him. Mm. And not only that, notice has not seen him or knows him. There must be a background there that the false teachers were claiming that they had some intimate sort of connection with Jesus that nobody else had. Oh, I see. And John is saying, well, not only that's not true, they don't even have a very rudimentary relationship with him. Yes. Yeah, so no one who sins has seen him or know him. So don't listen to him. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the, the thing? Yes, they are not from God because he who knows God listens to God. Mm-hmm. Mark, there's an interesting parallel verse here in 1 John 4, 6 through 7 that he who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Yeah, that's a great passage from the standpoint that if you do not listen to the apostles, the inspired men, God's spokesmen, you really can't claim to know who God is because they are his spokesmen. Exactly. goes on to say, little children, make sure no one deceives you. And that's important, right? Because okay. Because that's what he's writing against the background of all these deceivers that were saying, like, doesn't matter how you live. It's just what's in your heart. Or it's almost like the more spiritual you are, the more sin you can get away with yes. you know, type of thing. Yes. And he says, they're liars. Mm-hmm. And the world is going to try all day, every day to deceive you. So as First Peter 5, 8 says, we need to be on the alert for sure. Then it goes on to say the one who practices righteousness is righteous. 
you are what you do. Yeah. I think that's the whole argument. You are what you do. You're mm-hmm. not someone different than what you do. We live in a culture that really is weird about that. Like sometimes people say, well, yeah, my kid steals from me is on drugs or whatever, but he's really a nice kid. Yes. God defines good and evil. And we need to make sure that how we define love, how we define grace, how we define goodness how we define compassion, all of that needs to be based on an objective, divinely inspired perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. So he's the standard. Yes, not a false righteousness, Romans Mm -hmm. 10, 13. That's of the world in which evil people call evil good. And good evil, Isaiah 5.20. You can't make up your own morality. You don't have the juice to do that. You don't have the wisdom (laughs) to know that. Yes, and you're not the creator. Right. So the one who practices sin is of the devil. Well, practices, I think, is key. Yeah. You know, if you sin now and then, that doesn't mean you're of the devil. But practices, I think we've got to the point of habit here. Mm -hmm. And we're not correcting it. We're not taking it seriously. We're trying to excuse it. Yes. In this life, Mark, we don't get to choose whose child we want to be in most cases. (laughs) Right. Right. But it's different when it comes to our spiritual family. Whose child do you want to be? You are making that choice every time you choose between good and evil. When you choose to become a child of God, you practice goodness and you reestablish that as you pursue righteousness. It's very clear in this section, there's really only two sides, right? Light and darkness, Jesus and the devil. There's no one really living a neutral life like, well, I'm not really practicing righteousness, but at the same time, I'm not practicing evil. There is no one that fits in that category. I'm not really doing anything for God, but I'm not doing anything against him. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of a, a false sort of place that people want to create. The devil's real. That what this, this verse would also tell me. And the next phrase says, the devil has sinned from the beginning. Mm. And that goes back to, well, it goes back to Genesis 3, but it has to go back to before, even before that. Mm-hmm. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Any thoughts? Yeah, a person might say, okay, well, that was in the first century, but since the first century, it seems like there's still been a lot of evil out there, and you're correct. Mm. And so I think the thought here is that Jesus' death on the cross did not automatically do that, but the people that choose to follow him, definitely the works of the devil are destroyed in their lives. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a sense that this is going to be eventually be fulfilled one day when Jesus shows up and all sin is removed and all rebellion is quenched. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there will be a final fulfillment of this. But even in this life, John has even talked about, you know, that if you obey God and if you love your brother and forgive as you should, you cover a multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. I think that has to be a little bit of that destroy the works of the devil that as we live the Christian life and as we share it with others and people's lives are changed, there are a number of sins that are never committed. Mm-hmm. And more people are released from that bondage. Mm-hmm. So it says, because his seed abides in him. Is this a little bit, Mark, like Luke eight eleven, where the word of God is spiritual seed that produces only fruit to his glory? 
I think so. Remember First Peter 1, 23? The Word of God is called incorruptible seed? Yes. Yeah. And so seed naturally germinates and produces after its kind? Yes. How you're currently living will reveal whose message mm-hmm. or seed is in you. And it's not an inherent thing. It's more of, have you been listening to God or are you listening to Satan? Mm-hmm. Your, your life will reveal that. So it goes on to say, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Mark, is this like no motivation to sin? Like we would say like, oh, I just could never do that. It's uh, not that you literally could not, but it's more like given everything I am and just it's against every desire that I have and it's against my character and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think for the person that definitely has cultivated that seed, allowed it to grow, the good and honest heart that it bears fruit, the person that really takes seriously, hey, I'm a child of God. I'm mm-hmm. in God's family. I don't want to ruin that. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's like Joseph. How can I do this great evil? and sin against God. Well, and if any of our listeners are kind of wondering, what does it mean he cannot sin because he is born of God? This phrase being born of God, like how can we know that we are born of God? And so I'm thinking about John 3, 3. John 3, 3 through verse 5 is that you're born of water, which is baptism, and the Spirit which is being convicted by God's word and then faith being produced. And of course, I think that includes repentance where you ch- start changing your life. Mm-hmm. James 1.18 speaks of being begotten again by the word of truth. Mm-hmm. And First Peter 1, 23 through 25 talks about being born again of incorruptible seed. Yes. The next phrase says, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. A lot of I the like peop- the word obvious. <laughs> it is. It's obvious. John here says, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Yeah, John keeps hammering home the following point, and that is, when a person tells you who they are by their behavior, mm-hmm. believe them, mm-hmm. is that your behavior speaks louder than your words. Right. And of course, John is dealing with people that were claiming that they were very spiritual people Mm -hmm. and they knew the truth better than John did. Mm -hmm. And yet they had wicked lives. And of course, being born of God, that initial baptism where we're born of God, that's not the only practicing of righteousness that the child of God does. God's plan is for the rest of our lives. You know, we dedicate ourselves to practicing righteousness and so it goes on to say and anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God nor the one who does not love his brother yeah notice how those two things are connected and I think there's a reason for that one thing I can think of is that we run into a lot of people that would say something like I'm not doing what the Bible says but I'm a loving person right and I think John says that's deception Obeying God is the way we express our love for him. And Mm -hmm. you're not going to end up loving your brother as you should unless you get the first one right. That is, unless you, okay, how do I express my love towards God? If I get that nailed down, I'm going to know how I'm supposed to love my brother as I should. But there's always been people out there that consider themselves very compassionate, loving people, all the while rebelling against God. Yeah. Only God can define God what is truly good and what is truly evil and what it is to practice righteousness and what it is to practice unrighteousness. And what's the connection here, Mark, 
to nor the one who does not love his brother so anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of god nor the one who does not love his brother there's a lot of uh, godly principles that go into that like telling them the truth like not lying to them yes like not telling them that you can be right with god and be practicing unrighteousness Mm -hmm. so i think there's multiple connections on that point yes I guess as we close then, Mark, this very great conversation, the point that I guess I want to conclude with is let's choose, let's choose then to desire the best interest of every soul, especially those of fellow believers, because we want to be children of God and we can do this by loving our brother. Yep, here we are overlooking the Columbia River and you noted all the boats while we were doing the podcast the sea lions are out there too. Really, I hadn't noticed. Because they're looking for the same thing <laughs> the fishermen are they looking for. They are after some salmon as well. Yeah, and in fact, I saw a fish jump out there during wow, the podcast. That's fantastic. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this conversation over First John chapter three, verses one through ten. Mm-hmm. See you later. God bless. <laughs>